0: Welcome to the second show of the Tech and Color podcast, a show dedicated to spotlighting the diverse stories of leaders in technology and business and their journey in getting to where they are today. I'm Michelle.
1: And I'm Monsi. We are so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Amy Sun. An alumna of three notable big tech companies, Amy was most recently an investor at Sequoia, and the first woman on Sequoia's growth team. Previously, Amy worked on the Cameron Stories team at Facebook, where she saw user counts swell from 2 million to 100 million. Before that, she joined Uber, when its headquarters was about 100 people, to scale driver acquisition and help build growth marketing for the UberX rollout. Amy is a Harvard grad who started her career in product marketing at Microsoft, where she helped launch the Surface Tablet. She is now a founder working on her own startup. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. And
0: before we get into the details about your career journey, we'd love to start at the beginning when you were younger. So what were you like growing up? And what was your family upbringing like? And do you think that has helped shape some parts of your personality as they are today? Absolutely, yes. Uh, My
2: family immigrated to the U.S. and we came to the States with pretty much nothing. My parents were uh, engineers in China uh, and they came to the U.S. to uh, their master's degree at Northeastern. I think we've struggled a bit to just put food on the table every night on a very modest income of, you know, our parents' TA subsidies. It was really eye-opening for me because I saw the power that, you know, education and this belief in the American dream I like, had on my family, like, um, my parents graduated from their master's programs. They got jobs in engineering. And I kind of like saw the world around me change, right? Like we moved from that little, you know, dorm room into like a little apartment. And then from that little apartment into like a house with a little yard and in, in West Foxbury. And I was like, wow, like power of education and like perseverance and hard work. In Chinese, my, my grandmother would always say like, you have to chukwu. Right. You have to like eat bitterness in order to succeed. And that was kind of like drilled into me from seeing uh, my family. And you might not, you know, ha- go out and have as much fun as some of uh, your other friends, but eventually it will uh, pay off. Like I just saw how much they sacrificed. feel like the weight of that sacrifice definitely uh, like, was very heavy on my shoulders. And I feel like people, the listeners uh, of this podcast and, and you both,
0: I, I see you nodding, can uh, can agree. Yeah, I think both of us definitely relate to that. Like having immigrant parents who just sacrifice so much for the opportunities that we sometimes take for granted, um, but try not to is like so inspirational. And it's really cool to hear about that as an influence on your life too. Going into your college experiences, were there any moments or things that you did in college that helped shape your personality and your interests? yeah I would say the extracurricular that probably
2: shaped my interest the most was uh, working on the school newspaper so I was on on the crimson uh, we did the biz board and it was really fun and I would say that it is probably the experience that is most similar to like working at like a, a startup actually because uh we were fully responsible for the PL of the business, like the amount of revenue that it would generate via like ads and subscriptions, and you know, the costs of like running the printers, like the rent and depreciation. And, and I think those experiences, those like the in like working with people, um, like sort of managing a team of volunteers pretty much, uh, of you know, transitioning the business at a time where like print media was on the decline and like figuring out how to go digital. Um, And then the the sort of friendships and uh, that were formed through that process, I think had a pretty big impact on me. And it made me realize that I wanted to be on the on the company side of things, like building a company, like having ownership over the results uh, associated with like running a business.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. It seems like your time in college was super influential into your future career as well. Let's jump into that a little bit. So you started out in product marketing and then you went into product management and then into VC and then now you're a founder. That's a lot of different roles in a relatively short amount of time. How would you say out of college you were able to decide what your first job was and how important would you say that first job was in determining where you went from there?
2: Yeah, so I can go through a little bit of my thinking of when I was in college and how I like ended up at Microsoft as my first job. So I, while I was in college, a lot of things happened during those years, like 2018 to 2012, which is when I graduated. Uh, one, like the financial crisis happened, which was a big factor in why I chose economics as a major rather than something else like CS or you know being pre-med or something. Cause so I had this like I just really wanted to know what was going on. Like something clearly just happened, right? It was like this catastrophic change to the economy, and I was like, as a like as a student at Harvard, I was like, what happened? Like, why did it happen? how can we prevent it from happening again? I just didn't really understand. You like watch the news and everyone's talking about, you know, like credit default swaps. You're like, what even are those? Like, what are, what are, you, what are you talking about? And so, um, and I, I love studying economics, right? Because it kind of combined that like psychology, like human emotion element with math and, and all of these different, like just quantifying the way the, you know, the influencers of, of the world around us. And, uh, and I think, through my time uh, at Harvard, I was kind of the the main the as I mentioned uh, I guess previously the, the there felt there felt like there were a couple of tracks for folks coming out of economics majors like a lot of people went into investment banking a lot of people went into consulting and from that experience of you know working at the Crimson as well as like a couple internships that I had I decided that I really wanted to work actually at a company like building something having responsibility of the bottom line and the top line and um and really like building and uh and and just after thinking about it it was like oh when you're a consultant or when you're uh like in finance you are more in the services industry like kind of like helping giving advice about stuff um like servicing these companies versus I got so much satisfaction from, you know, experience, like looking at the Crimson of like creating something that out of essentially nothing. Right? And another thing that happened while I was uh, in school was the iPhone came out. I'm going to date myself here, but I remember like when when I, we used to go out, people would bring like a bunch of stuff, like a purse full of like, oh, if you want to take photos, you have to bring your like big digital camera and then you had your phone and then you had like like your wallet, all this other stuff. And you just had this sense of like, wow, this is a huge change. Like technology is really about to transform our lives. So I got really interested uh, by technology and like thought about going into that field. Um, and at the time, um, not a lot of companies were recruiting for non-technical roles uh, right out out of school. Uh, But Microsoft had a role for an associate product marketing manager. um, That was, you know, any major could apply. And and Microsoft was doing some pretty interesting things at the time. They were launching, you know, hardware for the first time. They're doing a big redesign. So, uh, you know, decided, why not give that one a shot?
1: Yeah. At that point, when you decided to go to Microsoft to be a product marketing manager, did you always have a vision of where you wanted to go next? Or was it more circumstantial where within each role um, you learned a lot and then Mm -hmm. realized what you wanted to do in the next stage of your career?
2: It was purely circumstantial, uh, and I had no plan—no <laughs> five-year plan, no like ten-year plan—and I went into marketing. And you know, I, I was like, maybe I'll like marketing. It's it's creative and analytical at the same time, and uh, seems like seems like it'd be fun. But I really didn't know that much about any of the other roles. I didn't know that much about what product management was, what product marketing was versus growth marketing or or anything like that. Um, I just was like, Hey, I'll see if I I'll do this and as my first step and see if I like it. And now like looking back, I do think the decision to go into tech, um, right after school versus something else like consulting or, um, investment banking or working at a hedge fund or something had a really big impact on the trajectory of my career because all of a sudden I was starting in technology and it's like much easier to like build a career in technology if you start in it than like if you're trying to horizontally enter technology from like another field. Um, So I don't have no idea what my career would look like if I had chosen a different path right out of school, but I'm pretty sure it would have been quite different um and and yeah and and I guess the things my kind of approach in general to career is uh just like learn as much as possible and just keep an eye out for interesting opportunities where there's like asymmetric upside so you don't really know what these opportunities will look like beforehand you can't plan for them but when you see them and then you kind of like learn a little bit more about them. There's some opportunities which can have a ton of upside with very like minimal amounts of downside or risk uh, and those are exciting. you always want to jump on them, but you can't try to plan to jump on them if that makes sense they kind of just like happen and appear. Um, and I can just uh, talk talk a little bit about like why I decided to join Uber. That would be awesome to hear more about. yeah so uh, I so I was working at Microsoft in product marketing. And I realized that I was learning a lot of skills that were pretty specific to Microsoft. Microsoft is a large organization uh, and has a pretty specific way of doing things. And as a result, uh, a lot of the work ended up being more like project management and stakeholder management within this large company. And I had this desire, like, I want to know how to build something from zero to one. Like, I want to see... Like, I want someone to, if someone was like, hey, can you build out a marketing strategy for this new company that doesn't have one before? Like, would I be able to build that? And I wanted to, I wasn't sure I was going to get that out of my career at Microsoft. And I also had this desire to go to San Francisco, right? Because you're in Seattle. Seattle's like a cool tech city, but not worth it. Everything is happening, everything was happening in San Francisco. And this was in like 2012, 2013. Joining Uber at that point in time was just, I know, I know like everyone's heard of the quotes of like the seed on the rocket ship, but it was just such a great learning experience because the company was growing so quickly. They were trying to figure so many things out. You weren't boxed into you know a certain role. You didn't have like lanes necessarily that you had to stay in. It was just like, there are so many problems and you just have to solve as many of them as you can in order to keep like the rocket ship running. But as a result, I got exposure to so many different parts of the business. Um, And I got to take ownership of projects that were like way larger than Unquote, like my pay grade at the time, right? Had about a year and a half experience out of school, but um, was, you know, looking after a large majority of our driver uh, growth channels uh, and like building our new sign up flows and, and doing just whatever needed to be done. And the team was also like phenomenal as well, like working with excellent people. I think that that's like a super important uh, like, aspect to think about and choosing a company and a career.
0: That's really cool that you you joined Uber like right as it was taking off and you got to be part of that. Like you said, the seat on the rocket ship. That's so exciting. Afterward, you went to Facebook and then to Sequoia and that's a really interesting career trajectory. Um, how did that process happen of you ending up as an investor from product management?
2: Yes, uh, and it, is, it was a little bit random, <laughs> I would say, uh, but I actually just got a cold email from Sequoia. Uh, with the subject being like, catch up with Sequoia, or like, want to get coffee or something. And it just so happened that Sequoia was looking for an investor that had a product and growth background, which was my background um, at Uber. So I switched from growth marketing to product management while I was at Uber. And, uh, and I was that one, when I saw that, I was like, really surprised, because I did not have an investing background. I hadn't, Really, even made any investments? Uh, I didn't have the money to, and and I didn't really know. I didn't even know exactly how venture capital worked. So I was really surprised when I got that note. But yeah, uh, you know, it's an opportunity you can't really turn down. So I you know, had coffee with the investor at Sequoia, uh, and we actually just talked about you know the things I'd done at Uber, how I thought about growth, and I was actually confused. I was like, you know, I thought this was about investing, and um, and he was like, no, I just want to. Understand like how you think about like companies and how you made the decisions to go, yeah, uh, you know, to Uber or like at that point in the company's trajectory. So I thought that was really interesting. Like really enjoyed my conversation and I started to learn more about venture capital. And it was one of those opportunities that had an asymmetric upside, right? It's like oh, you get to like work with one at one of the top firms. In the world you get to have exposure to like both super talented investors as well as the young best and brightest like founders at the early stages of uh, the company's journey and they tell you all their best ideas and and i wasn't sure like if it would ever uh convert into you know an offer to join the team so i kept those conversations going and actually in 2017 a lot of stuff was happening at Uber, if you remember. Uh, it's you know there was a lot of very intense PR backlash, and I just kind of was feeling a little bit burnt out and a little bit like constantly being distracted from my core focus which was supposed to be product uh, and I was like maybe it's time to try something new and um and I was like maybe I'll go into venture capital but that was still like I didn't really know you know if that would convert into uh, an opportunity until one day like they got more serious and they offered me a job on the team um and I, I just realized it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down so uh ended up by uh, Johnny
1: Square.
0: That's so exciting to hear about. And the fact that you got to, you know, do this building out these really cool products. So I guess also at Sequoia, you've worked with some amazing companies like Noom, Aurora, Dolls Kill, and Glossier. So what was that process like? And what was your philosophy like as both an investor and a partner to these companies?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so the investing process is so different than working at companies. Uh, I think the biggest difference and the hardest transition for me was you go from a culture of moving quickly, iterating quickly, experimentation, to a company where every single decision is a quote-unquote one-way door, which is something that Jeff Bezos um, writes about. And that means that when you make the decision, that's all commitment, right? You're working, partnering with a company for a decade, uh, if not longer. And, uh, it's not something that you can just decide one day that, you know, you're not interested in anymore. And so you have to make those decisions with a lot more thought and care. Uh, and you have to make sure that everything that you have as much information as possible to like help you, uh, like inform that decision. That was a, like, a big mindset change. Uh, and then for, in terms of like philosophy, uh, on, investing i mean i think it, it is quite different investment to investment um, but in general we're looking for like amazing founders and like and teams who can will really be like resilient and go the distance like starting a company is such a hard journey and it is a tumultuous one. Like there are like really high highs and then like times where things are really, really rough. And I'll use like an example um like new. When we invested, the company was already had was founded almost like 10 years ago. And in those 10 years, like it was a huge challenge. They didn't immediately find product market fit. They pivoted the product. There were times where the founders you know went like a long time without you know taking a paycheck. You know, they had to yeah, you know, at times where they might have had to cut back on the team, but they still persevered. They like never gave up throughout all of that. And they continued to innovate. They continued to iterate on the product with like the small amount of resources that they had until they found something that worked. And so when a company goes through a journey like that, you become you become so much more resilient to anything else that happens, right? So, so you know, COVID-19, like was tough for the company right like in but like they've already gone through so much that they knew that they could get through this even though it was crazy tough um and so that's something that i really love uh as as a characteristic in, in founders and then something else that we look at is like a large market and a clear why now like why wasn't this company already built before why is it why is now the right time why is it not 10 years from now and I mentioned when I was uh, in school, like the iPhone came out. Like that's a great example. Like that's a new platform, a new behavior change that ripples across uh, you know the globe. And as a result of this innovation, so many new companies can be built on top of it, and they can all rise together. Like people ask, like oh, like, oh my God, Uber was started at the same time as like you know like around Instacart, like you know Instagram, like all of, like all of these companies basically rose rode uh, this ride of like shift towards mobile. Like they were built mobile first versus, you know, an incumbent that has to uh, to scramble to change their business model from desktop to mobile. And they're able to take uh, advantage of this groundswell of consumer adoption and grow to be uh, large companies. So like, some, like is there a similar technology shift or behavior change that can enable like a very large company uh, to be, be built at this exact moment in time?
1: Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the learnings that you got from your time at Sequoia were like very focused on startups and the concepts that you were interested in, even in your previous roles um, in product. So it's cool to see how your interest kind of evolved, even though your roles were changing uh, to stay in a similar field.
2: Yeah, I I do have a passion for consumer products and and growth and marketplaces. So having worked at those kinds of companies is a little bit more familiar, like, trying to understand the, those, these types of business models. Um, and it's something that I personally just love
0: learning more about.
1: Yeah. And through investing, you learned a lot about startups and now you're founding your own. I'm not sure how much you're able to share right now, since it's still early stages, but uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what put you on your journey as a founder and what it's been like to found a company, especially in the pandemic?
2: Absolutely. So I, I mentioned that I had not really planned to go into venture capital, uh, and I, but I had been on my mind like before that I, oh, I would one day like to start my own company. And, uh, and I think, so it's been a little bit on the back of my mind. And I think one thing that I, I realized, you know, many years in, into my career in venture capital was that I really missed building. Uh, I miss like being, you know, I love the creative process. I love like, jumping in on the front lines when there's a lot of problems happening and trying to solve those problems. Um, And I also miss that, like, I liked iterating and testing and talking to customers and and constantly learning and um, like the way that product teams work together. So I really miss that aspect uh, of, of uh, working at at companies uh, and because investing is quite different. And another thing was just with the pandemic, there are so many like mass scale behavior changes happening, right? Like we're all in different parts of the world, (laughs) so many unsolved problems in the world um, and ones with no clear solution right now. And it's being increasingly obvious that things are not just going to go back to the way they were before. Like, I don't think they should, right? Like it should be an opportunity for us to like build something better. Uh, And it just made me, Really excited about the opportunity to like go and be a part of some of the solutions to the problems that are uh, that have arisen as a part of the pandemic, and also uh, I think I believe that uh, it's an opportunity to build a massive company right now because of like, such a clear
1: why now. That's so exciting, and we wish you the best on your founder journey. Thank you. Now that we've heard a little bit about the diverse roles that you've had, it feels like a good time to shift gears a bit and hear more about your reflections on your career journey so far. So I guess one part of that is being a minority and being a woman in tech. How has being an Asian-American woman shaped your experiences as a leader and investor? And have there been any challenges that you faced along the way?
2: Yeah, I would say there's like two kinds of challenges, right? Like the first is just that the pressure is that like I and the people around me like have put on myself uh, as a result of, you know, upbringing and culture. And I would say the second is like the perceptions of you, like uh, based on your, your race or your gender. And on the, the first one, uh, I would say like it was a little bit hard to like break out of this track, this like track that people – Uh, assume that you might be on or I'll give an example that I would say like in my entire life I was chasing a sense of achievement so whether uh, you know in elementary school starting then like getting all the best grades so you can get into the best high school and in high school it's like checking all the boxes, like extracurriculars, grades, sports, and everything like that, just so you can get into Harvard. And same thing at Harvard, like making sure you get all the best grades, leadership roles at various organizations, etc. For what, right? It's like, so you get the best job, but what does that even mean? Like, what is the best job? Is there a best job? And I would say like, there isn't one, that's a, the big difference. It's like your career, it doesn't it's not like one company, one role is better than another one, right? It's just your own personal career journey uh, and like what's best for you, and, and you can forward your own path. But I think one thing that I struggled with was like, I wanted the best job, right? I want, you know, I wanted um, to like the most prestige associated with, you know, my like that i have been used to uh, up until that point. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did go to tech after school. And I would say like, I only went into tech after school because I didn't get a job at the top of their consulting firms, at the top of their investment banks, which I applied to. If I had gotten the like one of those offers, I probably would have been set on a completely different path, right? And I, I feel like i got really lucky uh, in that sense, and I ended up in tech, uh, which was I was also like more passionate about too. Uh, but I think I would, it would have been really hard for me to like fight that like internal battle prestige, like am I insecure like twenty year old self to like be able to break away from the like known track and do something different? I was kind of forced into doing something different, but that was really eye-opening for me because I was like, whoa, like there's this amazing, all these amazing opportunities, these super smart people. Like I would have never ended up at Uber at that time if I had, you know, gone after, gone after the safe route. So I think that uh, was like a huge learning for me and a huge learning for me, like kind of throughout my career is it's much better to be different than to be just like, the best but one of many um and the same uh and it's like if you can like like, you mentioned my background it sounds like I've had so many different like experiences and it's different than other people and that's really what sets you apart right and that's what makes you like uniquely suited to do anything whether that's you know joining as a new partner on a venture venture capital firm or um, you know starting your own company. It's like your unique set of experiences is that what makes you interesting and not the fact that you're the best but of a large class of I don't know, business school graduates who also went to into investment banking who are applying to like McKinsey or something. Uh, so I think that that was like breaking out of the mold was uh was difficult for me, but I, I feel like I've figure that out uh, later in my career. And the other thing is like, I feel like on being an Asian woman that people just assume that you're a certain way. They assume that you're like good at math and that you are like good at executing, but don't have like necessarily a ton of like, I don't know. Yeah. There's they, just like a ton of assumptions that like, come out of the fact that you're an Asian woman. And i uh, trying to prove people wrong on those or like calling them out. And it's been interesting. Uh, and I would say like in a lot of the, the professions that um, I've had like been in, like there are not a lot of women and uh, yeah, and there's a lot of like biases associated with that. And, and it's constantly, and it's something that is talked about. Uh, so like, and Uber had a pretty high-profile um, sort of situation, I would just say. Uh, so there was a lot of discussion about it, and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of opportunities to like voice concerns that personally had, and, and support the voices of others. Venture capital is also a very heavily like male-dominated um, industry, especially at the the highest levels, uh, and where controlling the majority of the capital. Um, and even there aren't that many female founders, right? So just hearing the stories of other female founders and, and things that they're going through and um, actually being actively a part of the change and trying to address some of those
0: issues head on is, is really important to me. Yeah, I think it's so good that your work, I know you're working with All Raise and a bunch of other organizations to try to decrease the gender gap in the VC space. And that is really inspiring. We also are really grateful that you shared that with us, because I know that both of us also resonate deeply with dealing with imposter syndrome at school and in work and breaking out of the mold and also just overcoming the stereotypes and the misconceptions that people may have of of you before they meet you. It's really inspiring to hear about how you've also dealt with that and how you've kind of overcome that throughout your career. So thanks for sharing that. And hopefully that changes as time passes to wrap up our episode, we were thinking of diving into a quick fire round. We're going to ask you four questions. Uh, so the first one is, what product, technology, or otherwise uh, can you not live without?
2: iPhone, sad, but true.
1: That's a solid answer. I can definitely relate to that. Um, how about the best advice you've ever received?
2: You can have results or excuses, but not both. That one is very wise. What about your favorite book? I really like the Dune series, science fiction.
1: All right, I will definitely give that a read. And finally, what is your favorite hobby? Painting. Awesome. And with that, we will close out this episode. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us on Tech and Color. It was amazing to have you, and me and Michelle and all of our listeners have learned so much. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. This is great.